Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's Monday, October 25th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Going to the World Series is set. Uh, Eddie Rosario and the Braves made it, uh, knocking off the Dodgers over the weekend. It will now be the Braves and the Houston Astros opening the series in Houston on Tuesday. Uh, I don't know a lot of people who picked Atlanta as a sure sure bet to, to make it to the series this year, uh, but they, they sure proved themselves in that National League Championship Series against the Dodgers. You're not kidding, Joe. I mean, this was a team that was 44 and 45 at the All-Star break. They, they, they had a losing record. They go 44 and 28, you know, in the second half. And, uh, you know, they win the division and uh, they just keep going. And uh, Eddie Rosario is one of the reasons, man. He's, he, you know, the MVP of the NLCS hit 560. And we're, they're going to go, um, he'll go head to head with, Yonder Alvarez, uh, the uh, ALC, uh, ALCS MVP, who had 522 <laughs> against. So that's crazy. It's, it's going to be really, it should be an interesting series. Really quickly, should Indians or Guardians fans be upset that, the, that Cleveland basically gave Eddie Rosario to Atlanta, uh, you know, for a bucket of balls here uh, at, at the trade deadline? Or was that uh, a move that, the club needed to make and you know with the way he was struggling in Cleveland anyways it, it made no sense to keep him yeah and he was a one-year rental Joe he wasn't coming back next year one way or the other um he was on the on the injured list and uh, you know I think the Indians had made the decision that they wanted to create playing time for the the, the other outfielders they needed to see in the second half to make some decisions you know, in the off season, I, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, that, that drove the decision and uh, I don't think they regret it. You know, I think it surprised them that the way Rosario has, <laughs> has come on. And, you know, when, since he's come off the, the injured list with Atlanta and just, you know, he, he looks like the guy that used to torture the Indians when he was playing for the twins. Right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to the world series and, and to see if, Rosario can sort of sustain that pace uh, that he was on all throughout the National League Championship Series. Uh, other news uh, that pertains to the Guardians and to Cleveland uh, re- revolving around the, the coaching staff, 
Uh, we found out uh, late last night uh, through ESPN's Buster Only that the Padres have significant interest in Ruben Niebla, uh, the assistant pitching coach under Car- um, Carl Willis in Cleveland. Uh, he had just been promoted to that that role uh, the last couple of seasons, and and really, this is the guy who a lot of people credit for sort of generating that uh, that Cleveland pitching machine that produced guys like Shane Bieber and uh, Aaron Savali and, and Zach Plesac ready for the big leagues at, a, at such a young age. Uh, if they were to lose Ruben Niebla, it would be a, a pretty significant blow to Cleveland's pitching staff. Yeah, definitely, Joe. I think it would it would be a big loss, but I don't think uh, it's something they're, they're not pre- unprepared for. I think in the past, Ruben has had opportunities to leave the, the organization. He's turned them down because, you know, it wasn't the right fit or, you know, uh, but basically he's turned it down, turned them down because, you know, he, he appreciates the, the culture in Cleveland. He knows what he's helped build here. Uh, and they treated him very, very well, you know, in, in terms of giving him more and more responsibility and, and in salary too. They, they, the Indians have taken care of him. They know, you know, how you know what that he's very good at the job he does and uh you know you can go from all the way back to Corey Kluber uh to to uh you know Mike Clevenger uh just this past off season he re he helped redo Aaron Savali's mechanics from the from the ground up every pitcher that has come through the system that has made the big leagues that has had success at the big leagues has been touched by Niebla and, 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 and the developmental program that he's helped develop. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people involved in this, but Niebla has kind of been the tip of the spear here. Right. But this sort of uh, this season and this off season and, and this sort of uh, interest by the Padres might be a little different. Uh, I know Ruben uh, lives in the off season, lives not far from, uh, you know, San Diego down in, in Southern California there. And, you know, this might be a, sort of a homecoming uh, thing for him. And uh, the Padres are in a position right now where, you know, they didn't make the playoffs and the expectations were so high last season that they might need to come out and make a, a big name, you know, signing, make a splash here. And, you know, Ruben Niebla's name might not be the one that's up in lights that everybody knows, but certainly they know, uh, you know, the guy who, generated the 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 Indians pitching machine I, I think that's uh um you know a, a pretty significant resume I, I think that would be a big splash uh move for them to make and and one that they will probably pull out all the stops to do yeah and I think uh, yeah you're exactly right Joe I think uh you know I think Ruben has probably been looking for the uh, the right opportunity the right the right team the right organization you know uh, the yeah, the Padres have a you know a, a rich uh, you know minor league system that they can draw from. They they've, he's got some pitchers that he's familiar with over there. He can help Clevenger come back from his uh, second Tommy John. Um, so uh, you know it, it's it sounds like a good fit, um, and uh, you know he's always wanted to uh, be the Indian, uh, be you know a, a head pitching coach, and uh, you know. Uh, Carl Willis has done a great job here and uh, that pitching group in Cleveland has done a great job. So maybe this is the, the chance for him to kind of step out on his own. 
Yeah, and in, in any other situation or circumstance, uh, Niebla probably would have gotten the, the head job as pitching coach, you know, several years ago. But you've got Carl Willis, who's uh, coached, what, five Cy Young Award winners in his career. Uh, you know, he's, that's pretty much the only way a guy like Ruben Niebla gets blocked is, is if he's behind, uh, you know, somebody with that sort of credentials. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out if the Indians are, are able to retain him or if he, he goes and makes the move. Uh, we'll find that out in the next couple of days, I'm, I'm assuming. But, you know, it, it, are the, you said the Indians are prepared for this move. What, what does it look like behind him in terms of, you know, who, uh, who comes along and, and, and fills in that role? Well, yeah, you know, that's a great point. And, I, you, know, I, um, you know, I just think, you know, when you look at the way they've handled, uh, you know, losing uh, Carter Hawkins, you know, they've got, you know, they've, they've, they've got that line of succession in, you know, established in the front office. I think they'll have it established in, you know, the minor league system. They, they kind of redid the uh, developmental program uh, when uh, the Yankees hired Matt Blake as their, as their big league pitching coach uh, before last season. And I think they'll, they'll be able to do the same when, if, and when uh, Ruben leaves. Right. It'll be uh, a significant loss there. It, good to, it, it's always good to see Ruben and say hi to him uh, on the field as he heads out, you know, during pregame with, with the pitchers to stretch and, uh, he's always always approachable and, and really easy to talk to. So uh, we'll we'll look forward to seeing the results there. All right, as uh, as we move forward here, we want to get into uh, the idea of this off season. We are maybe a week away from the the end of the World Series, and you know, five days after that is when all the dominoes really start falling. Uh, we want to run through some scenarios. We've we've been we've been sort of given an assignment, Hoinsey. We've been told to, to think like a GM uh, for this podcast. So we're going to put on our GM thinking caps, uh, yeah. borrowed them from Mike Chernoff. And uh, we're going to approach a, a couple of different scenarios and situations uh, as that are facing uh, Cleveland in the upcoming off season and, and just sort of give our thoughts and feelings on them and what they're going to do and, and sort of, like Tito always says, if he had a crystal ball, uh, he, his job would be a lot easier. Uh, we're going to try and look into the crystal ball here and see what the uh, what Cleveland is is heading towards and, and looking at this off season. And we're going to start right away with those first uh, sort of upfront decisions, uh, the first order of business. Uh, five days after the conclusion of the World Series. Uh, they have a pair of contract options that uh, are on the table for 2022. Jose Ramirez worth 12 million and Roberto Perez worth 7 million with a $450,000 buyout. Uh, what do you think is going to happen there? Well, I think uh, one, Joe, uh, they're going to, they're going to pick up uh, Ramirez's option uh, for 2022. Uh, uh, number two, I, I do not believe, They'll uh, they'll exercise uh, Roberto Perez's option, his seven million dollars for 2022, and uh, I do think uh, they might try to uh, re-sign Perez at, for for you know lesser dollars, but uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, I, I would agree that that Jose Ramirez at twelve million dollars is an absolute steal for the level of production and the talent that he has. Uh, I think he, he would be the one of the biggest values in all of baseball uh, at that price. Roberto Perez, like you said, has dealt with 
injuries. You know, we, we saw in 2019 what he can do when he's fully healthy for a season. Uh, 450000 for the buyout, I think, is, is a, you know, a good deal to, to get out from under that $7 million. You're already going to be paying Austin Hedges in excess of $3 million in arbitration. So uh, I just don't know if I'm sold on the idea that Perez would, would return at a lower price. Uh, it seems to me that he would, he would try to go elsewhere. Uh, it's, it's really doesn't make a lot of sense to, to say, you know, Hey, we're, we're going to turn you down for 7 million, but we think you're worth, you know, X, Y, Z million. Uh, players have pride. Players have ego. I don't think he comes back uh, next uh, season. I think he'll, he'll try to maybe, maybe latch on with uh, a, a contender. Who knows? So we'll see. It's not like he's, he's getting any younger. Yeah, the, 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 the problem is, Joe, that he is, you know, he's in that category. Like you said, he's, what, 30, 32. He's, you know, he might have to be, if the Indians offer him a big league contract, you know, a one-year big league contract, that might be better than the options that, that he's looking at is, you know, it's, as, as opposed to uh, going to camp on a minor league, if, you know, make good deal, that, that might be, you know, coming his way. Right. Yeah, that you're, you're right. That... <laughs> Signing, uh, you know, some sort of lesser deal would, would probably avoid that sort of, I don't want to say embarrassment, but yeah, you're right. Uh, and as far as the other free agents that are out there for the Indians, Brian Shaw, Blake Parker, and Wilson Ramos, uh, I think all three of them could probably be had if, if there's interest on the Indian side. All three of them could probably be had uh, for uh, definitely, you know, team affordable sort of contracts. All right, let's look at uh, the next sort of area of, of sort of interest here. Uh, looking for a trade partner. Over the last several seasons uh, during the deadline, uh, the Indians have, have, you know, identified trade partners significantly. Uh, San Diego as, as one of them, as, a, as an organization that they've sort of rated their um, minor league system. Uh, what what do you think of the chances that the Indians are able to work a trade for a, a corner outfielder, somebody that they can insert into the lineup that would provide a little punch offensively uh, ahead of any sort of, you know, negotiations for free agents where they could maybe get a free agent and make a trade and really do a, a complete outfield makeover. Yeah, I think that's a course of action they'll take, Joe. I think uh, they'll explore that. They always, uh, you know, Mike Chernoff and, and Chris Antonetti in the front office always cast a wide net, you know, regarding free agents, trade possibilities. You know, th they've been doing that, you know, since the end of the regular season. Um, you know, they have all that uh, data, you know, from the, the build up to the trade deadline on, on July 30th. So that just carries over into the offseason. I think they'll definitely look for, for a team where a team interested in, A in their in their younger prospects and B in, perhaps in in guys like Mercado and Zimmer that are you know out of options and, and maybe they could they would have to they could take them in a deal. But obviously if they did, they'd have to, you know, they'd have to keep them on under under 40 man and or the 26 man roster. Yeah, a, a lot of those, you know, potential deals are, are sort of scuttled because the Indians don't have control over guys like Mercado and Zimmer uh, beyond this, 
this season, it's it's just tough because those teams could just wait for Cleveland to have to make a decision to cut those guys loose and then swoop in and, like you said, offer them a one-year make-good deal uh, or a minor league contract and try and prove themselves at spring training. So, yeah, it's a tough position for, for some of those guys. I and mean, we're talking mainly about guys like Harold Ramirez, Bradley Zimmer, Oscar Mercado, uh, who, who we saw up here, and even uh, uh, Daniel Johnson. Uh, I, I believe they still have a, a year of control on, on Johnson as well. So, you know, maybe there's a, a trade to be worked there. But uh, you bring up an interesting point about the surplus of young talent that the Indians have. Uh, there, there might be some guys who we never saw up at the big league level who get moved or traded as part of a package. Uh, to try and 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 bring in uh, a major league ready outfielder that can contribute. Yeah, what about a team like Pittsburgh? You know, a rebuilding team that is uh, looking for uh, younger players um, and would be willing to trade one of their maybe maybe one of their you know kind of not a veteran guys, but I don't know if that it's kind of an oxymoron a young veteran uh, you know, uh, outfielder that would still have two or three years of control over, but perhaps the, the, the pirates could get a big return on, on young guys, you know, like, uh, you know, like a, a Clevenger deal with San Diego, so to speak. Right. Yeah. My, my only, my only response to that would be, you know, does, does Pittsburgh have a lot that would interest the Indians and uh, you know, that, that would be a, an area to research for sure. All right, moving on. Uh, then sort of the next phase is getting into that offseason uh, decision making on the 40 man roster and what young players you're going to add to the 40 man roster in time for the rule five draft at the end of the winter meetings in December. Uh, you've got guys, you've got a whole slew of guys who are rule five eligible who might be attractive to a big league team now. Uh, we understand the rules of the Rule 5 draft is that if you, you select a guy, it costs you $100,000, and you have to keep him on your big league roster for the entire season. Think about uh, what the Indians did with uh, Trevor Steffen this year. They took him from the Yankees, and he stayed on the roster, you know, despite struggles throughout the entire season, or you have to offer him back to the, the franchise that you selected him from. Uh, names that are eligible uh, and that the Indians will definitely have to consider putting on the 40-man uh, top prospect, Tyler Freeman, uh, outfield prospect, George Valera, and infielder Brian Rocchio among the, uh, the, the infielders and, and the, the position players. Uh, what do you think is going to happen there with these 40-man roster decisions? Yeah, I think it's going to be really, really interesting how the Indians handle this, Joe. If you look at the 40-man roster right now, there's 10 players that are out of options. Um, then you look at, you know, the, some of the players you just mentioned, Freeman, uh, Valera, uh, Rocchio, uh, you know, along with, uh, you know, Cody Morris and, and uh, Janeski Noel. And, you know, just, you know, there's at least eight to 10 players that, you know, that have made an impression that, you know, probably uh, if, if they don't put them on the 40 man are going to be exposed to, you know, some te other team is going to swoop in and perhaps take them. So uh, this is really going to be like a chess match to see what pieces they the, the Indians take off the 40-man and what pieces they add to it. And it's got to be done by November 20th. 
So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how, how this unfolds. Right. And it, it's interesting, like guys like Valera and Rocchio, who haven't played high enough, they haven't gotten, you know, past double A uh, in, in their experience, a, a team would normally probably shy away from, you know, selecting guys like that because they're, they're not ready. They, they need at least another year uh, in the minors to, to sort of get themselves ready. But the, the opportunity to take one of them for $100,000 uh, and, and, and have, if you're a team that's, that's desperate for a middle infielder or desperate for a corner outfielder, boy, I, I, I can't see how you pass on, on taking one of those guys if they're left exposed. And if you're the Indians, do you, you know, put them on the roster? And that means within a year or two, those guys have to be up. You, you, don't, you don't give away a 40-man roster spot without saying, okay, you know, the clock's ticking on these guys. They're going to be in the big leagues in the next two years. Yeah, you know, that's the decision. That's what those guys get paid for. Uh, you know, th that's where the evaluation, the, the, the saber metrics, all that, all that combines – to, uh, you know, determine a guy's, you know, how fast he's going to climb the ladder and his, his ETA, ETA in the big leagues. And, you know, it, it's really, really uh, good. It's fascinating to watch. And, uh, you know, like you said, Joe, the clock is running. And uh, do you, you know, even if like, can, can you, if you add a guy like Valera, is there a chance he could help you, you know, in, in 2022? Uh, can he could he come straight from double A or maybe triple A if he starts a season there and helps you in, in the outfield in a in a, in a at a position where you need help? So that that's going to be really really interesting. I mean they've done it, we've seen them do it with pitching, but can they do it with position players? Yeah, uh, one one thing's for sure. I think all three of those names, uh, Freeman, Valeria, and Rocchio, will will probably get invites to major league camp. So we'll get at least a an early glimpse of, of where they are when, when we see them in spring training uh, in Goodyear. All right. The next, uh, the next move, I, I guess, is sort of with the CBA expiring in, in December at the end of the league year, uh, you know, what's out there in terms of the decisions that need to be made and what moves can Cleveland make to sort of, protect and safeguard themselves against basically the great unknown, which is, you know, labor in uh, not insecurity, but uh, I guess uh, um, uncertainty uh, is, is the, 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 the way I'd phrase it. Uh, you know, we don't know if there's even going to be a season starting on time next year. Yeah, that's, and I know that's, uh, you know, if you're uh, uh, Mike, Mike Chernoff or, or Chris Antonetti, you have to, deal with this as as if the season's going to start on time but always in the back of your mind you know you're weighing things uh, can you you know if, if there's no cba can you make a trade can can you make you can't make trades can you sign a free agent you know how how what what does that do to the backlog of, of free agents you know how do you improve your team if if you know the both sides are you know if, if there's a you know uh a work stoppage or, or, you know, some kind of work stoppage. It, it's, you know, they haven't had to deal with this since uh, 1994, you know, been, there's been labor peace since then. Uh, but, uh, you know, it seems like uh, th this could be, this could be a turning point 
for baseball, whether they go back, whether it goes back to the bad old days or, you know, they're, they're able to find a middle ground, the players association and the owners, and they can protect the game and, and keep it going. All these things that are on the table uh, in, in terms of being thrown out there in terms of, you know, changing the setup for revenue sharing, uh, could they, you know, change the arbitration rules and, and alter the, the amount of time that you have uh, control over a player? Uh, could free agency protocols change? Uh, or will there even be, like we've heard, rumors of a salary floor or anything like that? Uh, does, does adding a universal DH change a, a team's approach or change the approach for the Indians or, uh, or for Cleveland in terms of, you know, competing for those outfield bats that they, they want to in, in free agency or in trades. Um, you know, if, if 15 more designated hitter spots open up in the national league, uh, all of that changes and influences the way teams approach. I remember when we went back uh, early in the, the COVID pandemic uh, and when we didn't know if there was going to be a season or they were, they had just shut things down in spring training and Cleveland made a bunch of roster moves that were kind of head scratchers at the time. You know, they sent a couple of guys, uh, they optioned a couple of guys to AAA. They, they moved some pieces around in, in anticipation of that. I wonder if before the end of the league year, we're going to see a flurry of moves like that as well that could really cause us to sort of, you know, scratch our heads about, you know, we don't know what the approach is going to be because there's the, this uncertainty. Yeah. And, you know, if the, uh, if the big leaguers go on strike, if there's a work stoppage, can do, do the minor leaguers keep playing? Can you stash your players there? The guys who have options, can they, can you send them down to AAA to keep them sharp? Uh, you know, it, it, all of that comes into play and we're going to know pretty soon joke because the, the, uh, the CBA uh, expires on December 5th. I mean, uh, December 1st. So, you know, we'll have a pretty good idea of how this thing is going to go. And, and right now it's kind of been all silent on the uh, Western front as far as, you know, the how the negotiations are going. They are going, there, there are some talks going on, but usually, you know, the heavy stuff doesn't get uh, decided on until, you know, the deadline is, is approaching. Is hey, all I'm there. saying all I'm saying is I'm pretty sure Shane Bieber has a minor league option left. Uh, just uh, <laughs> if you're thinking about stashing him in the minors. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for, for something like that, no, I, that would never be a, a consideration I'm sure, but uh, definitely something to think about. All right. Uh, sort of uh, among these, these last stages here uh, of the off season, um, we have, we have to see what the decisions on non-tender candidates are going to be. I think the Indians really are, I'm sorry, I think Cleveland really has uh, two, you know, sort of obvious candidates for non-tendering, uh, or uh, I believe the rule is you have to offer, by a certain date, you have to offer arbitration-eligible players um, a contract, and in, uh, Cleveland would have Shane Bieber, Framil Reyes, Ahmed Rosario, Austin Hedges, uh, Bradley Zimmer and Nick Wickren uh, could be Cal Quantrill and Josh Naylor, uh, maybe even Harold Ramirez as super twos, depending on when the service time cutoff is announced. But I would say out of that group, Zimmer and Wickren look like guys that will probably be non-tendered. Would you agree? Yeah, the, the non-tender date is December 2nd. 
and uh, you could try to sign these guys beforehand, you know, to a, to a lesser deal. Now, you know, I guess that comes into play. I mean, how do you evaluate Rick Whitgren? You know, he's had two good seasons and he struggled this season. How do you evaluate uh, Zimmer? You know, we've, we, the Indians finally got, you know, a prolonged look at him after, you know, two or three years where he's battled injuries. So, uh, you know, and, and what do those players, what position do those players feel? Do they have to, if they are offered a one-year deal, uh, you know, do they take it or do they, you know, they turn it down? Do they exchange numbers or do they risk getting non-tendered and becoming free agents? So, you know, there's a lot of give and take right in that process right there. Yeah, you're looking at uh, projections in arbitration for Zimmer at 1.5 and Nick Wickerin at 2.8. Uh, you know, it, it remains to be seen what, what the Indians can do budget-wise. Uh, they've said that the, the salary, uh, th that their uh, payroll is going to go up next year, but we don't know exactly how much. So, you know, is, is, is 2.8 million for Nick Wickerin and what he gave you last year, uh, you know, something that you can afford uh, next season? Yeah, and I would think, Joe, I think, uh, you know, I think the, the payroll probably go up between, what, 65 to 70 million from 50, whatever it was. I, that's right. You know, I, I, that's what I've heard it, it might, you know, expand to. That's still not, you know, uh, the average. The average is like 100 million based on, you know, this, this past season. But it, it's better than 50 million. And you're right. You know, these guys always uh, squeeze every penny until it screams. So I think they're going to, they want to get a value, the, the most value they can out of, out of every dollar they spend on payroll. So, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a tight fit, you know, just like it always is. And speaking of, uh, you know, squeezing every penny and, uh, you know, paying guys and, and salary and, and uh, contracts, you're looking at sort of the, the last thing that the Indians or the, I'm sorry, the last thing that Cleveland focuses on in an offseason, you know, around the time when guys arrive at camp and, you know, up through maybe the, the beginning of, of exhibition games in camp uh, are extension candidates, guys that, you know, either have contracts or are eligible for arbitration. And, you know, you want to extend them. You want to maybe buy a couple of years of their free agency, uh, as they've done in the past. Uh, used to do it a lot more frequently. Uh, and, and now they might be in a position to start doing it again with some of this young core after identifying players. Uh, they, they could rework the final, you know, two years of Jose Ramirez's contract uh, and, and sort of pay him, you know, what he's worth. Uh, but then there's also Shane Bieber, who uh, missed a significant portion of this season with an injury and might be more receptive right now to uh, signing a long-term extension. Yeah, you know, they always do. Yeah, like you said, the timetable is right around spring training. That's the last order of business for them, uh, you know, headed into the spring training and at the end of the offseason are extensions. And, you know, I would look for them, Joe, you know, uh, to try maybe, you know, they, they knocked on Bieber's door last last spring and he didn't answer. You know, he just, you know, the, the answer was no. Does he change now after the shoulder injury? I don't know, but I would tend to doubt it. Uh, you know, maybe Ramirez, they've got a better chance there, but I would look for him to, to go younger. I would look for him to go, you know, maybe a, 
would they do that with a with a class A? You know, I know they don't really over. They haven't really paid. You know, I mean, given extensions to closers, but he seems like a special guy to me. What about a Quantrill? Would you would you do that with Quantrill? You know, um, you know, it, it, there there seems to be. You know, maybe they. Maybe what about Eddie, uh, Rosario, Med uh, Rosario? Would they mm-hmm. would they try maybe to go that in that direction? I, I think the one name you didn't throw out there in Framil Reyes. We we've right. seen him with consistency over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, you know that the potential is there for him to be a thirty to you know forty home run guy in a season, uh, and he's he's still relatively young. I think Framil Reyes would be a priority because on top of all that, he could really be the face of your franchise, you know, sort of in addition to Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber. This is, uh, you know, a Dominican player who, who is, he's very outgoing. He's got a bigger person. He's a big guy. He's got a bigger personality and we've all seen it in post-game interviews and he's, he's easy and fun to talk to. Uh, They could build, so much of a of a campaign around him he's 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 sort of like a a miniature version only bigger of uh of francisco lindor that's the the personality and the sort of the outgoing way he's he he is the prime candidate in in a bigger market in new york they would have giant billboards of this guy in in times square uh no doubt in my mind so yeah i i think there are other areas besides Bieber and Ramirez where they could maybe invest and, and sort of try to gain interest. If, if you lock up Emmanuel Class A, if you lock up uh, Framil Reyes, and, and then you go to Bieber and you say, hey, look, we're building something here. Get on board. And, and maybe that is an incentive. And, and he can see the path to, the, uh, to, to Cleveland you know, being a winning franchise in the next couple of years. Now, that's a great point. Great point with Reyes. I forgot about Reyes, you know, and, and, uh, you know, like you said, he's young. I mean, he had the uh, oblique injury, but everybody has an oblique injury. It's not like he's been injury prone, you know, he's productive, but I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. And uh, he's still controllable. So uh, that would be a, a good guy to, uh, you know, kind of, you know, broach, broach the subject, subject of a, an extension in spring training. All right. Well, uh, time to take the GM cap off uh, for, for now. We'll, we'll, yeah, a little tight on the head there. Um, <laughs> uh, so much to think about. So many, you know, hurdles to to, to clear and hoops to jump through uh, for Chris Antonetti, for Mike Chernoff in this offseason. It'll be interesting to see uh, how they how they make their moves and, and what they plan. Uh, we, you know, we've we've seen it enough times till we get a till we get a, a pretty good idea of what they're going to do but you never know until they actually pull the trigger. Yeah, this is their season. This is their World Series, the offseason, you know, their playoffs. This is when all front offices, you know, make their moves, make the, to help determine the success of uh, next year's team. All right, well, we'll make our moves to uh, tomorrow's Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Hoynes, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.